That was a green light. Traditional, no. Traditionally, yeah. that means that it's recording. But do, I am colorblind. Do say a few things. Say some <laughs> words so I can. Hello, check the hello, thing. hello. Right, that's good. So, um, I'm not exactly sure what we're what we're doing here. Um, talking to me? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I'm not sure. Are we back or are we like? Um, so or are we? <laughs> is this one of our filler episodes? Since well. Why don't we say that each episode we do is official, and I want to say we're back, because I'm feeling like we can do this every other week, don't you? Every other week, I think we can do it. Next week is going to be impossible for me, because I have a high school graduation, yeah. I have a sixth grade graduation, like you, yeah. and uh, other things. Here's, my, here's what I think we should do. Oh, and, and Monday, I'm yeah. sorry. Go on. Monday is Juneteenth. Yes. I don't know how you're celebrating. I'm celebrating uh, by closing my office. Oh, my office is also closed. This yeah. has become a thing. It took some uh, wrangling with the owner, but ultimately, uh, reasonability won out. Did you see um, that um, store in Indianapolis that put together <laughs> put together a watermelon salad for oh. Juneteenth June uh, and then put it out? Like, I, I that's, mean, uh, unfortunate. This, this is the United States of America, right? Like, are we? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, he probably thought it was a great idea, too. That's the scary yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. Yeah. God, America is a, what a country. What a country. <laughs> so here, here's my thought on how we proceed with the shows. Okay. All right. So every other week from here on out. Yeah. But, but as we get into a groove and as things calm down a bit in the summer, I say as we go. Yeah, maybe we can pop in an extra show, um, and we just try. But we'll we'll make a promise to get back on an uh, every other week uh, schedule. And because um, I I miss doing this, I love the monsters. I love Mike. I love being here. It helps me stay sober, and I just don't want to. I don't want to stop. Okay. All right. We're not going to stop. All right. What we're going to do is smoke weed every day. Yeah. <laughs> we're back and. <laughs> We're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike, not looking at my outline because it's here somewhere. I, go ahead. Just go. And hold it. You, you're oh, right. blocking the camera. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. Oh, here we go. After a much-needed recess, RMA returns for its 86th episode 86 holy shit we discuss drinkers like me by adrian childs and wonder aloud if monoclonal antibody treatment for covid <laughs> may help addiction mm. all this and more today on a very very special edition of rma you know why it's special Nat? why because we haven't done this in a while yeah and it was great seeing you uh walk in through the door and yes. have the dogs bark at you it's great and i fed you a couple of tacos because Aaron is always like when Nat comes over, he always looks really hungry. We should. <laughs> just, do you think we should offer him some food? And I'm like, I don't know if he would eat the food. Do you, and today we're like, do you want a taco? You're like, would I? Give, 
Well, I actually have, you know, it's been well documented, my fluctuations in weight. And um, <laughs> I'd actually... You're like a Hollywood starlet. Yeah, but I've actually gained 10 pounds back. So I had gotten down way too low. Mm. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little more plump. Uh, plump I, is yes. not a word I would use to describe <laughs> you right now. A little plumper than usual, but I, I wanted to to share with everyone you're what my diet than, was. Uh, you're skinnier than Amber Turd. Amber Turd. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, dropping a grumpy. And... Um, <laughs> So my so diet, what is your diet? My yes. di- well, to gain weight because I got so many comments about how thin I looked and I and I was so I don't know sensitive about when I used to be you know active addiction I was extremely skinny so I didn't well, want a diet of heroin and cigarettes will do that it it really did and, you know I was down to like one thirty and cocaine it, the cocaine yeah if it's I an appetite it. suppressant that's what I hear yeah it is an appetite suppressant but although what. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen to me just talking over you. Um, when I was doing a lot of cocaine, yes. I was at my fattest because huh. I was drinking so much beer. Yeah. It was just my diet was beer and cocaine and cigarettes. They used to, you know, heroin addicts too that I used to see um, are, would be extremely skinny. And it, we always wondered, you know, listening to the Howard Stern show, um, Artie Lang had a had a uh, um, well-reported on heroin habit. And they would always make the joke like he's the one guy to get addicted <laughs> to heroin and get fatter. Uh, but I... Lost weight in a sober way because I was very, uh, a number of reasons. So I wanted to gain weight to get my mother-in-law off my back and my father, the two of them with my weight. And um, I just, I started eating flying saucers from Carvel <laughs> twice a night. So I would have one before bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I wake up to, to, you know, go to the bathroom as I frequently do, I would have another one at around 2 a.m. Oh. And in just one month, folks, I gained 10 pounds. <laughs> You may not live till you're 50, but it's a great diet. Hey, I didn't plan on living past 30, so we're we're still doing good. Yeah, me either, but here we are. Who is the episode brought to uh, them by? Oh, right. Now that we're back, yeah. you guys should all go back over to the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon uh, and sign up. And you can support your friendly neighborhood podcast by pledging to uh, send us a couple of bucks every month. Uh, I think it starts at $3 and it goes up yeah. from there. I think Kyle got his mug yesterday. Yes. Yes. There's uh, merchandise. You get a mug or something, uh, depending on the level you buy into. Uh, after um, three months, is it, of, of regular yeah. support, you will be sent a small token of appreciation, uh, either something to drink your um, coffee with uh, rum in it yeah. or um, a sticker that you can put on your guitar yes. case or on your... Um, What's this thing called? A computer. A computer. You can put it on your computer. So um, Patreon, of course, is a members-only uh, subscription service that you sign up for, and you get uh, the secret codes that Nat will send you that will let you into the Discord server where yep. you can have... Um, um, chatting. Chatting. There are, there are exchanges between us and the Monksters and the Monksters and other Monksters, and we keep adding discussion topic threads to yep. the chat. Uh, there's like... 20 of them now so there's something there for everyone and they get um you know preferential treatment when it comes to reading things from uh from the monkster verse yeah we we typically you know read the stuff on the inner sanctum first just as a perk and we have some of that today yes and you also get um videos more videos than the regular folks uh yeah the uh facebook group get yeah, it didn't um, sort of work out the way I originally intended the the video thing to work, but I think we've got uh, a pretty good 
like like right now we're we're starting to videotape every show so we do bonus content there hopefully i don't know if this camera's going to work it's new this may not be bonus content but th- that's our intention in any case see i was thinking though after a while of of having people on the um on the discord have it on the patreon we could release it like to the facebook group yeah should yeah, we do that i think that would be there's good there's some old stuff that we can put up there yeah i mean not we that, did a bunch of videos know, we love the facebook people too i mean it's not you know yeah, you don't have to give us money to listen to the show. The show will always be free. Yes, we don't do this for the money, but we do have Definitely costs. don't do it for the money. And it's really cool, like, on the, you know, what we can do on the Discord server that we can't do as much on the Facebook is there's not as many people, mm-hmm. so we can really chat and get to know each other, and it's a, it's a great support group. Yeah. So that's patreon.com forward slash recovery in the Middle Ages. Go there to learn more and to sign up. I had one thing I wanted to say. Okay. Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? <laughs> I believe they can find us at middleagesrecovery.com because, and while you're there, check out our hot new SSL certificate. I'm that fixing I think we it. Re- renewed. I, listen, Have we renewed it? I renewed it. I paid for it. And then something has to be updated and I can't get my web developer in Calcutta to help me. What's he up to anyway? You know, uh, has he disappeared? He hasn't completely disappeared, but um, I tried to get on uh, the, the chat service with Setgo SSL certificates to help me configure it maybe you know how to do that those are all words but yeah. I, I don't know what they mean <laughs> so i'm working on it but we we did pay it it's not because we didn't pay it. okay so don't go there for now um if you want to buy a t-shirt i mean some somebody must want to buy a t-shirt yeah. right just uh email me at mike r at middleagesrecovery.com and i will um tell you how to get me money <laughs> and i will send you your t-shirt forthwith um we may just end up giving them all away i think well, don't tell people that. I mean, they we'll won't buy never one. do that. I take that back. We will never give these away. You should definitely buy one. I mean, we so we should either give them away or somebody should buy them before my dog discovers the box and pees yeah. on it. Agreed. All right. They're nice shirts. It's cool they design. Um, the great Jeff D. Uh, was the designer. Yeah. And uh, So uh, if you don't want to find us on the website or you can't because our SSL certificate is still not operational, you can uh, find us on Facebook. Just search Middle Ages Recovery or Recovery in the Middle Ages. We're there. There's a public page. Join the public page. Then we'll and then make a request to join the private page. And it's, it's all good. All right. uh, we have weekly RMA recovery meetings uh, yeah. chaired by the great uh, G Money Smooth and occasionally chaired by Elizabeth from Boston and occasionally chaired by... Um, is that Queen Elizabeth? That is, of course. Right. That is the, the, the queen. RMA queen. Uh, by Aaron, um, of course. Of so, course. Uh, the meetings have been kind of... Sparsely attended. Sparsely lately. attended. I think last week it was just uh, Corey and uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean but. it's it's um, it's definitely petered out a little bit, but let's get back to it. Petered. Um, petered. It's out. petered out. Do people say that anymore? Uh, maybe in out. the nineteen seventies. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but come back. It's a great support meeting. I definitely am going to start getting back to those as my uh, church meetings wind down. Do they wind down? Or is salvation assured? We're moving on. I think so. Um, yeah. I would like to. Um, Switch the time of that meeting. Okay. Well, because it's a, it's the worst time. Yeah. In the middle of the day on a Sunday. Like, everybody's doing shit. I'm feeling like a weeknight? Like a Wednesday night at yeah. like um, 11.30 p.m.? No. No? How about like 
eight while I'm, when I'm in bed. The first one that we ever had yeah. was it like at 8 p.m. I think that might work. Yeah. So let's talk. Because it's 5 p.m. On, on the left coast. So we'll talk to the powers that be. and um, We are the powers that oh. be. I can't, we, we just have to I can't push it. this That's off. That's all. <laughs> and we'll, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that and oh. make it more convenient. Um, great reviews. Oh. Yeah, great reviews oh, will be ready. right on the air, but you have to leave us one. And we didn't tell you how to do that. But right. you know how to do that because you use the internet. You know how to use the internet. Just go to the, the Apple machine and leave a review. Or yes. The Apple, what do you call that thing? Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. App, iTunes, leave a review. You can even call in your story. Oh, yeah. We still have that hotline. Still paying for that. Yeah. We pay for that? Uh, it's not much. Okay. It's actually, I don't think it's anything. You are holding the paper in front of your face. 516-888-6297. Why, I'm covering... Do you want to borrow some reading glasses? I'm, <laughs> 1.25 magnification? I have 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5? Yeah. That's so, right. it's I a half. Um, and we usually get so many great five-star reviews. Everybody loves us, except... <laughs> we got a bad one? No, it's not. we got a listener email that was, um, that was taking us to task. So yes. I, I would like to read this because yeah, this is I've a, been practicing. Okay, yeah, this okay. is a listener email. Um, they send this. You can send it to Mike R at MiddleAgesRecovery.com and have it read right on the air. I, I prefer the hate mail. It's, uh, it's more fun. Okay, email from uh, a listener. Hello, Mike and Nat. I've been a listener, a uh, word spreader about your podcast, and two-time five-star rater. I, rater. I follow you on Instagram. So far, so good, right? He's a master rater. Yes. Uh, and then... No clue, no hint, no nothing that you were going to take a break. You probably can't imagine what your faithful listeners thought. Boom, just gone. I'm like, oh shit, we're in trouble. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I understand with school obligations and work stuff that it wasn't feasible. You could have just said you were taking a break. Um, we did on the Facebook, but then I yeah. started realizing how elitist it was for me to assume that all of our listeners also follow us on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Some of them probably only follow us. Just listening. Just listening. And we didn't and set we it didn't up. And we didn't even put a two minute thing in the feed. And I apologize for that. I really do. We should have done that. We left you guys hanging. But in all fairness, um, this kind of came upon us suddenly and we were both sort of at the tipping point between <laughs> sanity and insanity. And so we just immediately, you know, we were just protected like, our mental health yeah. and decided to to just step back for a little bit. It wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. I apologize. Okay. So then you come back. I'm continuing reading the thing. Then you come back with a bonus episode. Yay. And you're going back and forth about how to simplify, but add more components. And you don't realize how many listeners and people were clamoring for you. I, I, I read that to my wife. I'm like, see, people are clamoring for us. Clamoring for you us. You know, I think what they're saying here is I made a comment. Uh, on our maybe the hiatus update where I said I didn't realize how many people were you know yeah uh, out there and I think they're calling me ag arrogant for assuming people are want to listen to us or something is that what this is? do you think it's sarcastic I thought it was I thought it was genuine mm, okay. people are clamoring for us yeah I think I like to think so anyway yeah it massages my delicate ego mm. Mm. Um, speaking of which I'm going to continue reading. Stop with the ego. Do the, <laughs> do the podcast or don't, but don't complain about that which you have freely chosen to do. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> I love it. And uh, thank you, listener, whose name I'm not going to read oh, because you're gonna, then you're going to yell at me again. Um, yeah. Your point, is, your point is, is well considered and well taken. And I appreciate you 
bringing that to my attention. Um, the, the, the fact is, Nat and I are, not, despite all evidence to the contrary, Nat and I are not professional entertainers. <laughs> We're just two idiots <laughs> that happen to have some time on our hands during the pandemic, and we launched a recovery podcast. So um, we don't have it all put together. Uh, yeah. We don't have all the answers, certainly. And, uh, you know, we, we have these these busy lives. So we don't want to stop doing the podcast because we can't do it every week. So we're just going to try and do the best we can. Going yeah. Be, you know, and one of the, the best things that came out of this podcast was we got to meet so many awesome people out there who they're, I, I'll call them like-minded, uh, like-minded people. You yes. Know, that's what I, I'm, I'm noticing when we get to know the people, um, the monsters, I'm like, I feel like I've known these people my whole lives, we, whole lives. We're on the same page. And so, yeah, we, we're definitely sorry. And, um, I wish it had been, uh, but better. don't yell at us. We were very sensitive. Yes. yes. Yeah. Very sensitive. Speaking of which we got a, a really good review to switch, switch things up. All right. I'll read this. Yeah. One. Go for it. <laughs> Five stars. Uh, the subject is thoughtful, provocative, and insightful recovery. Yeah. I've reviewed other recovery podcasts and have settled on this one as my go-to core support podcast. Yeah. As co-hosts Mike... Oh, sorry. Co-hosts Mike and Nat are highly intelligent. Thank you. Funny. Thank you. And empathetic. (laughs) If she only knew. (laughs) Highly intelligent. They take you on a journey where you learn about them, yourself, and a multitude of metaphysical and science-based recovery strategies, ideas, and connections to help one stay sober. Mm. They don't condescend or preach down on a spiritual approach, but look at it as one component of a broader holistic program. I like this person. Yes, well-written. They see... I wonder if it's the same person. Imagine. (laughs) They see each recovery plan as individualized and a la carte approach is encouraged. The show itself is engaging because there is a... There is plenty of discovery and reflection. The many guests, book, movie reviews, current events, and patron feedback keep it fresh and entertaining. Very often... You uh, end a show with a greater sense of empowerment, confidence, and belief in oneself because the dots have been connected. Five stars. Highly recommended. I love this review. Now, that's what we like to see. So if any of you out there are considering writing us a five-star review, just use this as a template. It's perfect. Change the name at the bottom. But this is what I want from this podcast. I mean, this review hits on everything I always wanted this podcast to be. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Makes me feel better. Thank you. Uh, And if you see any one-star reviews in the next few weeks, they would be from the last person. Please don't. Uh, Don't do that. I mean, look, if you're pissed off, you're going to do it. What can I tell you? Better to be pissed off than pissed on, I always say. <laughs> do you always say that? I do. It's done. <laughs> to who? To whoever says pissed off, I always do that one. But okay. mm-hmm. we have some sober uh, soberversaries from the Inner Sanctum. Um, I'm not going to read uh, everything because um, I was just catching up on a few that, uh, we, you know, we have a, a soberversary thread. And the big one is Melissa M. celebrating one year sober. Wow. Um, the other one was uh, Eight Baller Raba had six months sober on five twenty five twenty two. So it's even more. I'm just going to keep doing this in the background. <laughs> Ali P had ten months sober on May twenty second. That's awesome. Um, and the Queen Liz B had fifteen months on uh, May second. So congratulations, um, and everybody else who who's on the Inner Sanctum and posted your soberversary, keep them coming. We're going to go to that more often, and we want to celebrate your recovery. 
Um, it's such a great thing, and we're so we're so happy we can be part of that. You know, I crossed my own little threshold twenty four days ago. I, I I hit the thousand day thousand mark. days. Yes. Man. So that's the the, the four digit mark. You're gonna have to cut off your thumb. I'm gonna have to cut that name out too. Four <laughs> digit. I'm gonna call myself Four Digit Mike. <laughs> oh yeah. From now on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing. You've got a thousand days. I've you get a thousand days, and, and you, you get, get a thousand, thousand days. days. And uh, my, it is my fervent belief that all of you listening to this can get a thousand days if you don't have it already. You yep. can. It is not impossible. No way. I am living proof. Nat and I were a, pretty bad shape. Yes, and here we are, right, doing a recovery podcast. So you too can achieve your goals and dreams. Yes, keep it up, and keep letting us know about when you uh, hit milestones, and we'll announce it. Um, or put it on the Facebook page if you're not on the Patreon, yeah. and we'll still, you know, celebrate it with you. Absolutely. Um, oh, and oh. we have a segment we haven't done in a long time. Oh, Monsters. What did they been up to? Let's take a peek. The segment we call Monsters Speak. You know, part of me wonders whether we should update the music. I don't know. Segment. I kind of like it, but yeah. we, you okay. know, we right. can. Yeah, it's fine. So yesterday, uh, I made a post on uh, on the the, uh, the Inner Sanctum uh, Discord. I said, tomorrow we'll record a new show and want to pose a question for our awesome Patreon Inner Sanctum Monsters to read. I shouldn't have read that part. Here it is. What has your experience been with trying to moderate your use of alcohol or drugs, including any rule setting you imposed on yourself? And go. Do you want to go first? Did you ever set rules? Um, I was trying to think back because I was watching this uh, video that we were going to talk about today, Drinkers Like Me, mm -hmm. and um, and it made me start to think back because it's been a while. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was really, really bad with cocaine, I think in the early 2000s, and it started to be a problem like i started to notice it you know <laughs> started to be a problem yeah well it started <laughs> cocaine's to, a problem from the first <laughs> first day well it started to cut like i was hiding it for a while it was it was you know how when you first start doing something like that it's like exciting and you sort of are managing <laughs> yeah it. sure do and uh and then it really started to affect my life more you know, more outwardly and uh and i started to say like okay I'm going to just do an eight ball a week now. I'm not just going to buy a gram a day. I'm going to go once a week, eight ball. And, um, like just a little bit every day or just save it all up for Friday well, night? it was going to be a little bit every day. I'd get an eight ball on, um, on a Friday and just use it, you know, like a gentleman. And um, I, every <laughs> single time I ended up doing the whole thing in the night and of course. calling my guy at 5 a.m. hoping he would wake up. And so in that sense... Moderation didn't work. What kind of sick bastard tries to moderate <laughs> cocaine use? I bet you I'm not alone. I, I'm not the only one that tried to moderate uh, cocaine. Co cocaine. I, I never even tried with cocaine yeah. because it was like... Oh, I was deluding wait, myself. The first bit that goes in my body, I'm going to keep doing it until I run out of money, basically. There was never a time I didn't regret it the next day. I don't know if any of you out there have... have been used cocaine and the next day we're like yes yeah give it a try if you haven't it's no, uh, don't give it a try what do you <laughs> do not give it a try yeah, don't don't um regretted it every time now moderating drinking i definitely tried mm -hmm. 
um, once it became a real problem and once my wife, it's really a problem when your wife is like, no more drinking. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's when it became a problem. And then I kind of negotiated, well, maybe I'll just have two drinks. And I remember, now I'm remembering, we would go out, you know, with our friends. This is like 15 years ago, 14. And uh, I would have one drink. And my wife would be watching, and then I'd have the second drink, and then she would give me a look. Right. And then I would, and you would have wait to sneak it out, the rest of them. And then I would sneak the third. <laughs> I'd get, and it was like that. So I did not have luck moderating. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for years it never, I never moderated. And then when I started thinking I might have a problem, well, you know, my break in the 90s when I was sober for a couple of years there was was it was at the tail end of a bad night of uh, smoking, crack, and drinking. So there was no ease going from there to moderation. It was just stuff. I like how you just were like, yeah, I've been a night of uh, smoking, crack, crack, and drinking. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, that wasn't like, I, wasn't, I didn't really have the internal wherewithal to be like, well, maybe I'll just <laughs> smoke crack every other week and yeah. drink occasionally. No, I had to like stop, right? But then when I eased back into the drinking, yeah. uh, you know, it left the crack behind. Um, then after a little while, it became apparent that I needed to try and moderate. So I made the same rules that everybody else makes, right? Only on uh, Friday and Saturday nights right. or Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights or well, Wednesday as well. And you know what? People in New York City go out on Tuesday and right. if I'm going out Tuesday, I may as well go out on Monday. So it was getting to the point where like Sunday and maybe Monday were the only nights that I you know, wasn't going out. So I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do... I, I, to me, the whole idea of going out and having one drink is is sounds like torture. It's horrible. It's it's torture. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I, I've said this before. I, I would rather have none than one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, now, would I rather have none than two? I have to say, you know, this this documentary that we're going to talk about, this uh, yeah, drinkers, drinkers like, like me, oh. uh, Adrian Childs, um, kind of messed with my head a little bit because yeah. I started thinking, oh, you know, maybe it is possible to. I did you know? too. <laughs> I did a little bit too. I didn't want to do it myself, but it did yeah. get me thinking because I, I mean, we've always talked about this where there's, I mean, we've since like come away from it, but that there are people like me who can't have one because, well, you know, one is too many and a thousand isn't enough. And that there are people out there, like, let's say like my wife who can drink casually. Mm-hmm. And then, so I've come to that belief that there are people who can moderate and enjoy it and have it not ruin their lives. Yeah. So I still, I guess, I guess in the back I of my how mind, how much fun it is though. I, I don't know. To have a glass of wine. And that guy in the, in the, in the documentary seemed to uh, have fun yeah. at first. Well, we'll get into that. Anyway, yeah. so that, that's me and Nat's experience. Uh, we should probably relay some of the yes. monsters experiences. Who answered first? G money. Smooth. Smooth. Um, I thought he said yesterday at 9.15, but that's when that came in. Okay. Uh, G Money says, Grant says, I wouldn't be here if I had been successful with moderation. Here meaning RMA. Uh, I'm guessing the people who seek support from groups like this are similar. The sampling technique is going to skew the results, but I'm waiting to hear from the outliers, mm. assuming there are any. Me too. But yes. I mean, this is... <laughs> We're, we're, for the most part, an abstinent group, right? Yeah, I so. think so. And, and it's not to say if you aren't abstinent, you can't, you know, hang out and we can't learn. I mean, we can There's, learn we something few, from everybody. We have a few that are yeah. not, you know. And uh, yeah. Jen, Jen D uh, uh, says, I promised myself and others that I would drink moderately more times than I can count. Might have worked once or twice, but always went right back to binging and 
even drinking more than before the attempts to moderate. I sometimes envy those who can do it. It's just not possible for me. And I've actually gotten used to being alcohol-free and proud of myself for sticking to it. Some days can be challenging, but I get by with a little help from my friends. RMA peeps. Uh, yeah. Me too. I should have queued that music up. <laughs> I think the Beatles, though, have copyright. Yeah. You know, things. Yep. Um, Queen Liz says... Oh boy, let me count the ways. Only on weekends, only special events, one glass of water per glass of wine. I tried that for a while. I yeah. really, I realized how much I dislike drinking water when I'm drinking wine. Yeah. Um, glass per water. Start later, red wine, which I don't like, to slow down. Uh, went to a moderation management group. Actually, a guy met me one-on-one at Starbucks. This was years ago when I was concerned that a half a bottle of wine a night was excessive. He almost laughed at me. Didn't I hear Mike say on the podcast that the founder of Moderation Management died driving drunk? You did indeed, indeed. Liz. Uh, it might work for some, but I found ultimately uh, drank more. Great quote, the great quote, when I control my drinking, I don't enjoy it. When I enjoy drinking, I can't control it. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's a wisdom whiz bomb. The whiz bomb. Is that what they call that? kids call that now not alan the um the wizard of rma says moderation wasn't in my vocabulary yeah yep. is that all he said that's all he said okay thank great. you alan thank you alan uh chris 57 says like others I also tried to create rules around my drinking and always broke them usually on the first go once i had gone through the alcohol experiment for those of you that don't know, the alcohol experiment is uh, Annie Grace and um, This Naked Mind's mm-hmm. entree into the world of This Naked Mind, and it's a 30-day... The world of endless marketing to, to you to <laughs> <laughs> sign up again. Yes, yes. But, you know, Annie Grace has done some good work for Great a lot of work. people. and uh, I love Annie. It was, if it wasn't for Annie Grace, I wouldn't have gotten to go on her podcast. Yeah. I was very happy. Me too. Anyway, uh, it's a 30-day thing. It's You can do it free or you can pay. And um, yeah, it's sort of like a reset, right? It's so you can take a look at your relationship with alcohol Mm -hmm. and see where it might be problematic. Um, So once I had gone through the alcohol experiment, I came to realize that there is no normal and alcohol is unhealthy and destructive at any amount. After having been alcohol-free for an extended period of time, I drank in small quantities and found that even a single drink hours before sleep left me feeling like shit in the morning and relit some of the physical ailments that were caused by drinking. I gained more from not drinking than I ever did from imbibing. I really identify with, with everything he said there because, um, you know, it's, it, there were you know times in the last few years where my drinking was down to, you know, a few glasses of wine a night. And it didn't matter if it was one or four. I, I tended to feel crappy the next day. Yeah. My sleep was fucked up, you know, you think some of that heartburn, has to, all the shit. Do you, you think know? some of that has to do with, because uh, over time as you drink heavily, your, your liver does get damaged and you'll hear from um, active alcoholics over years where they drink and they don't feel drunk. Mm-hmm. It's because it has something to do with your liver isn't processing hmm. the way it's supposed to. So you don't feel drunk, but it just continues to do damage. So the way you get hmm. alcohol effects changes as you get older and your body changes and you damage it. See, I was kind of having the opposite experience. Oh, yeah. That it was like... I felt like my liver was tired and because it was tired, like I would have one drink and I would be like kind of wasted after one drink. Huh. And I was like, that to me tells me more that my liver's like yeah. just throwing up its livery hands I've, and going, I've fuck it. I, <laughs> you know, I've heard that too, but I, I'm not sure. I think everyone is going to be different and yeah. it's the way your body changes as you go. 
and um, and how it metabolizes alcohol. Yeah. Um, Allie, Allie P says, well, I took a year off from drinking, thinking I would be able to moderate after that. It took me over a year to get sober. Mm. Time off did nothing to help me moderate. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, that, Allie. That's a good reminder for those of us that may have been thinking after watching the documentary. Yeah. Sort of stick one's big toe back in the water, you know. It, you go right back. I mean, that was my experience, and many people I've met in recovery have said the same thing. No matter how long you take off, you're right back to it. You know, you start drinking again, and that's mm. you're back to it. Melissa says, uh, moderation for me never made sense. I never wanted one. I wanted at least five. Yep. 100%. 100%. 100%. So I think the takeaway is... Um, Moderation's bullshit. Bullshit. No, it's a, look, there's got to be... And we'll talk more about this as we discuss. <laughs> That's our the, scientific uh, analysis. Remember that reviewer who said we had all the latest scientific uh, assessments yeah. and synthesis? Bullshit. It's bullshit. Um, yeah, look, it didn't work for me. And this is what they say a lot in that documentary is even the people he's speaking to who are like in that recovery group, they're saying... They still say like there are people out there... Mm. That was a smart recovery group. Yeah, yeah, and and that's their stance, I guess, is that, like, you know, they're not saying, you know, any amount is, like, deadly. I mean, I think that they're more kind of down the line, like, you know what? Some people, if you can enjoy it, they even said they were envious of people who can enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not. I feel like there was some selective editing that went on there and and perhaps some of the things that reinforced. Whoops. Looks like we got a little camera issue. Yeah, I'm going to pop off and fix it, and we'll be right back after these words. I'm sure I was saying something profound before the technical difficulties, but... We were just wrapping up the um, the Monster Speak, so um, thank you guys for uh, participating. Um, and we're going to talk more about moderating and uh, its efficacy, or even if it's possible... Uh, throughout the show. By the power of recovery, I call on you, Monsters, speak! <laughs> thank they, you, thank you, thank you. they have spoken. You, they have spoken, and that's monsters from a monster. spoken. Isn't that a monster on the uh, inner sanctum? Yeah. Which one? Do you remember? <sighs> was it Kyle? I think so, because he's yeah. the one with the recording software right, he's I was commenting that. on. Yeah, so thank you, Kyle, if it is indeed you. Um, life update. We haven't even caught up in a long time. Like we, we had that catch up episode recently. We did. And, uh, thank you guys for bearing with us on that. The sound didn't turn out the way I liked. Maybe we should let them know that you and I and our spouses had dinner the other night at an Italian restaurant. That's right. We, um, you know, I think it was about three weeks ago and I hadn't seen you in a while from not doing the show. And uh, I said, well, can't we just do a double date with Mike and Aaron and, uh, she's well, my wife said, yeah, I think so. I said, okay, let's make it happen. And um, there's a new restaurant in town. Yeah, it's good. And uh, we couldn't think of any two people we'd want to try a new restaurant out then with you two. Oh, and thank you. So we did. Yes, it was a good restaurant. It was nice. Uh, they don't have any. They didn't have too many alcohol-free options. But you and I probably killed two bottles of sparkling water. I, yeah, you know, two big bottles. Yep, yep. They they had a you know, and we kept asking for Pellegrino, and they had some other brand. And, um, and when they make in the back, yeah. the, so, the, what do you call that thing? Soda the Stream. Soda Stream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a good restaurant, and it's it was. from uh, 
There's a guy whose name is Fabrizio. He opened up um, a really nice Italian bakery in our town, and he has another uh, really nice bakery that's been around a long time in a neighboring town. And he is just spending money opening up Italian-related restaurants and bakeries. Because <laughs> there's one thing Long Island needs is more Italian food. And I'm telling I, you. I, we, don't, we don't have quite enough. But, man, uh, that, that gentleman can cook. He can. I thought that was a good meal. Um, you know, you had a very strange dessert, uh, which was like a truffle mushroom. Yeah, truffle dessert. mushroom ice gelato. Yeah, which is yeah about what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It really so. wasn't. Uh, I, I mean, it was conceptually, it was great artistically. Yeah. it was beautiful, and it tasted like truffles. And I don't know if I want my ice cream tasting like truffles. Yeah, so it's one of these restaurants where the chef is getting crafty. And uh, but you had the tiramisu, yes. which looked like an amazing tiramisu, best the best I've ever had. Yeah. And uh, that was really nice to catch up. It was and, it was, it was very nice yeah. to go out to dinner with another couple because Aaron and I are hermits. We don't yeah. and and we, it, I I don't know about you, but I've been finding it very difficult to sort of re-engage with the world at large after COVID has receded. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to kind of force myself out because I got very comfortable with everything not working yeah. or, or being closed or I could use all that stuff as an excuse not to do anything. Yeah. Um, I went so far as to, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but even when big holidays came around, yeah, I almost would have an inner sigh of relief mm-hmm. sometimes. And I felt so guilty about feeling that way, but... I'm just such an isolator, and, and that's dangerous for me. So I have to force myself out. See, I don't really feel like I have to force myself to socialize um, because I don't know. I, it's so weird, man. The, the me that was before I stopped drinking was a much more social animal mm-hmm. than the me that uh, now. Right. Right. In some ways, like once I get out, and I, I'm very comfortable. Like yeah. I was always, when I was drinking, I was always like a little anxious because I was like either a little hungover or I wasn't yeah, you didn't drunk look nervous yet. Or at I, dinner, you, know, you know, we were comfortable. Yeah, no, that was great. It was great. But it's like, you know, I, with two years of the pandemic, I mean, I quit drinking in, at the end of the summer of 2019 and basically sort of hermitized myself. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And so I haven't really had to be out a lot. Well, how has it been for you? Because, you know, now that the pandemic is quote unquote over, in other words, everyone is going out, even though there is still COVID running around. Pretending it's over, it's fine. But there's a bunch of these events for the schools that people get together for that Mm -hmm. always involve alcohol. And so I get doubly anxious because um, going out to see, you know, local moms, you know, and dads and just people that are in your town. And there's always that pressure of keeping mm. up with the Joneses on top of it for me is a lot of them were my customers. Right. And it's that like, how have you been? I haven't seen mm-hmm. you. And they're drinking and, and it's just like an added level of stress, but I'm sure you've had to go to some of these things. I mean, not really. Really? How do you avoid these things? We're just not that social, you know? We're yeah. a little older, you know, our our kids are a little older. Yeah, that's true. And Yeah, we're you know, with the, you know, with the, the second, with Max. None of my kids play sports, so that's like a thing right. that we don't have to engage with. That's right, yeah, because we have those, you know, it's this game and that practice, and then there's the end of the year party. and So we have, we do have, boy, I do have Boy Scouts, which I'm actually blowing off right now <laughs> to do this podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I don't mind going to Boy Scouts. I will say this, though, and, and I meant, this is part of, one of the things I wanted to bring up. Uh, last week I went to the scout meeting. They're always on Tuesday nights. And one of the other assistant scout masters showed up late and he was absolutely obliterated. Drunk. No way. Yes. At just a regular scout At meeting? a regular scout meeting. Wow. Now this guy is an ex-cop 
and oh. he, he works at a, <laughs> at a gun store. That guy? Yes. Wow. And um, he was noticeably intoxicated. Oh, and no. so like he, when the scoutmaster was making an announcement, he kind of butted in and said something and the guy was like kind of shushing him and stuff. Um, Jesus. And then, you know, he just, he smelled like booze, you know, and stuff. And, I'm, and, and you know, this guy is always angling to go out drinking. Like after every scout meeting, like when we were in Cub Scouts, when I was still drinking, I would go out with him and we, <laughs> we would drink. Yeah. And, but now like every, every Tuesday night, he's like, hey, I'm just going out to the bar, you know, Dell's, you know, this, Do they that. go out after? No, but he, cause he keeps trying to, but you know, everybody else is kind of like, yeah, it's Tuesday night, man. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to work in the morning and stuff. Oh man. But, uh, so, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this guy's got a problem. I don't know. Boy, you know, it doesn't. I know sound he like... he definitely likes he likes to drink, and maybe yeah. he was at a thing or something, and then he just sort of rolled into the scout meeting afterwards. I don't I know. Mean, my my thought on it is he knows he's going to be basically in charge of children. Well, yeah, right, and he can't stop himself from drink. Like, there's no event, even if you're um, a normal, normally drinking person. There's nothing that should force you to become inebriated before you have something like that. Right. You know, except for if you're an alcoholic. I'll say, you know, before the pack meetings with my other son, I used to maybe grab a couple glasses of wine with dinner before I went over there. You know, didn't think anything of it. I, I don't, you, you know. weren't like obliterated. No, and no. But even a couple glasses of wine, I mean, it's become so normalized. We think, yeah, it's just a couple of glasses of wine. Right. I mean, I know for a fact now that I've been sober for, you know, four and a half years, one glass of wine does alter absolutely your, the way you are. You're in charge of children. One hundred percent. I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't do it today. Yeah, it's just. Um, but it was normal to me then. Um, yeah. You so know, but but uh, now I worry. Like, you know, is this guy going to drive kids to camp? Sure. And stuff like like you know, do I need to? Should I do something about this? Like, maybe you should talk to his friend, uh, the other. Uh, Scoutmaster, and just mention that you're concerned, and yeah, you know, I would put it like, "Hey, what did you think about the other night? And uh, do you think he's got a problem? And maybe he shouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, just out of safety concerns, you know? not yeah, you're morally like against the guy. No, drinking, I mean, I like I like the guy a lot, you know, and the fact that he's from a very different socio, like not socioeconomic, different political background yes. than myself, but I I get along with. Everybody, you know, doesn't politics doesn't really matter to me because like, you're a people pleaser, yeah. like me. Well, right, <laughs> that's the yeah, probably. So. Um, hey, is Dimitri graduating high school? Yes, he had his last day of school on Monday, and I came home because I was out running an errand, and he was sitting on the back deck smoking a cigar. He was. <laughs> <laughs> the kid's amazing. And I was like, uh, I just looked at him and I was like, well, I guess, you know, now's, guess a, good, we're now's, a, good, now's a good time for that. You yeah. know? And he said, uh, dad, you told me not to smoke in my room. That, yeah, that came did, up. Did right. he use that? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. I'm outside. I, you know what? It's fine. Um, we 18, actually, right? I actually sat with him and um, we had a talk. He didn't uh, have a cigar. He didn't like light you one. He didn't light me one. I... <laughs> find cigars to be disgusting yeah, they're pretty like, nasty. I, you know and i was like where'd you get that and he's like oh you know it was the same place that got busted for the thc and oh. and i was like oh okay nice i get it um and then he proceeded to tell me that um that he doesn't smoke pot anymore because it was making him really paranoid and it yeah. was too strong and it makes kids stupid and he's you know and all this and i was like well that i'm really glad to hear that because any of you guys have, that have been listening to this podcast for a while know 
you know, the, that when we started, I was having all kinds of problems with yeah. him, you know, and, and the drugs and everything. And, and he seems to have evolved out of that. He says, I don't even like to really drink at all. He's like, the beer is disgusting. And mm. he's like, the only, and, and, you know, if I have a couple of beers, I get a really bad, like pain in my mm. you know, esophagus, you know, it's an acid like, reflux, man. Yeah. And he's like, the only thing, the only alcohol I could ever think would, you know, be good to drink would be wine. And, uh, and I, he's really only into that because it's like a Western, right. you know, civilized, he's, you know, he's right, feeling right. his way, you know, sure. but, but you know, I'm, he's smart enough to, I mean, he's a smart kid and it's great to hear that when a kid who's intelligent and is moving, you know, can come to those realizations on his own yeah. and kids like him and kids like my son, Noah, I think are, are cut from the same cloth mm-hmm. in that. You can't really tell them anything. No, you can't. But they do hear you. And that's what I've come to learn mm-hmm. is I'll tell Noah, you know, what I think he should be doing and, and why, and I do it calmly. And he may immediately do the opposite, and I won't say anything, and then he will come to his own, you know, yeah. I just hope he doesn't get hurt too bad before he figures it out right. for himself, because that's that's what some kids need. Some people need that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of alcoholics and addicts are really just big kids and, yeah. you know, emotionally, you know, fixated in, in an earlier time, perhaps. And, yeah. You know, maybe getting in someone's face and yelling at them and tell them just stop what they're doing is completely ineffective because it certainly doesn't work with teenagers. No, you know? no. And so, and, and I, I think that that's a great point. It's something I've been thinking about a lot since we started this podcast. And, you know, I, I've examined the way I feel today and I think to myself, how is it that I'm able to function in an extremely stressful life? You know, it's a beautiful life, and I'm very lucky, but it's also a lot of stress. Right. Why don't I wake up craving alcohol? Why haven't I started to try, you know, want to drink? And then I look back at myself before when I would, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of it feels like maturity. And I know people don't want to hear that who are struggling with with drinking because then they'll say, oh, you're just saying I'm immature. Speaking for myself, and it may apply to others, but right. for me, I feel like it really is some maturity. I feel like I didn't become a man even till I was sober a couple of years hmm. um, internally, just maturity-wise. Yeah, I think there's there's different levels of maturity because you can be mature in your in your career, and you can be mature in certain aspects of your life. And then, you know, I, I think of alcohol as sort of like an Ouroboros, like it, it just. It's it's a it continuously devours itself and you. Oh, uh, the Ouroboros being the snake, the snake that eats its, eats its tail. tail. Yeah. yeah, I know things. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, can you but yeah, spell I know what you mean. You know about maturity. Like you know, it's it's funny. Like because also because you're able to just deconstruct things, you can think clearly when you're not like yo-yoing back and forth between being drunk and hungover. And, yeah. You know, and your imp, my, my impulses yep. haven't taken over my brain anymore. Yeah. And you have so much extra space up there to think because you're not thinking about like yeah. oh, five o'clock. I got to stop here. I got to get the wine. I got a whole internal dialogue, you know, all that's gone. Yeah. It's like you're, it's like you're at one with everything in the universe. One with the universe. At least for at least until you have to do the dishes. But um, yeah, so oh, did um, did your kids? I, w- I wanted to ask you this because this actually came up. I think when we were at dinner uh, talking about uh, our kids listening to the podcast. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting like thing to discuss because um, you know my son. 
you know, when I first started this podcast, I was extremely paranoid about anybody knowing, mm-hmm. especially him. I wanted to protect him from this nasty truth about myself. And <laughs> as I went along, and I just feel like it, it's such a good thing, not the fact that I was you know, addicted to drugs and ruin, nearly ruined my life, but where we've come from there, I feel like is so beautiful and so instructive. And I don't really want him to go through and listen to it. My wife is right. very against that, but... I don't have that feeling like, oh no, what if he hears it? I'm kind of like, when he does hear it, you know, maybe he'll be ready. And maybe this will be something that will help to understand me and himself better. Yeah, I, I don't think either one of our kids like have the emotional maturity right now to sit down and get anything out of this, though. No. And Benjamin came to me the other day, and I was... Sorry. I was <laughs> I was talking to him about, because uh, we were talking about, I said, listen, you got to fire up your YouTube channel again. You got to make some more videos. You know, don't be a content consumer, be a content producer. Because, you know, you want to be the one pushing your content out to other people. Yes. You don't want it the other way around. I like that. I like and I said, you know, Mr. Nat and I have, um, you know, a hundred and da 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 thousand, this, that. And, you know, and I, and I, again, reiterated that we have a podcast that we talk about how people can um, recover from, you know, using too many, too much alcohol and drugs. Yep. And he's like, do you help people, daddy? And I said, I don't know. I said, I, I, <laughs> I sit here and I talk and people write me letters and, and, yeah. tell, and tell me that, that this is helpful to them. And, uh, and I'm, it's immensely gratifying to hear that. And I said, yeah. and I explained that to him and he's like, well, can I listen to the podcast? Can I be on the podcast? And I said, Noah wants to be on too. I said, I don't. I said, yeah. I said, you just find it very. I think you'd find it very boring, right? Now, yeah, know? that's how I couch it. I'm like, it's yeah. you know, Dad's talking about not drinking. You know, do you yeah. talk about me? I'm like, yeah, you come up, but it's not like right. It's not. You wouldn't get it. It's not that interesting to yeah. children. <laughs> yeah, and and I, you know, I could see putting him and Noah on for a couple of minutes as a goof or something. If yeah. that, and if that will scratch the itch for them, then yeah. why not? You know, but then they'd have to listen to it to hear. Yeah. Themselves. And that would have to be an episode about, yeah. you know, going to the zoo or something, you know, something completely benign. We should put it off as long as possible, but yeah. I no longer have well, that dread that one day my son may know. No, X, but, y, and Z. but your wife, on the she, other hand, she, we were sitting at dinner the other night and she's like, you know, Aaron and I have not been on the podcast yet. And, mm-hmm. and both of us kind of looked at each other out of the corner of our eyes <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> we got to do a wives episode. No, I we, mean, we should have them on, right? We've I mean, just talked about them so much. Honestly, like they were, they said, your wife was saying some very helpful stuff uh, at dinner the other night about how, you know how to keep the thing going and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I know I'm always picking Erin's brain and she's very, she's very, you know, good about, uh, well, they do know. listen. She also gives me a reality check sometime yes. when I start to get like a little too like, big for my, too big. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they do like it. And, and I think it's cool that they listen to it. I hope my wife, when she listens to it, she gets a better idea. Cause sometimes it's hard when you've been married for 16 years and you've known, you know, dating 18 years, when you're talking to someone after that long, sometimes you don't hear them. Yes. And that goes both ways. Sure. Uh, so maybe by her listening to these podcasts, she's getting to know who I've become. Because I'm not that person, you know, that she threw out of the house and, you know, so many times because I was, you know, doing the wrong thing. Like, that's not me anymore. And uh, maybe this helps her, you know, to see that. Yeah. I don't know. She says it's funny, too. That's what I like. I like to hear that. I'm well, funny. You know, and we have our wives to thank for bringing us together initially. 
That's we? true. That's yes. true. The wives brought us together. Yes. And, and we're going to um, celebrate that by going to yet another Yes concert. Yes. In uh, in in July. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Again. I mean, uh, some of you may know one of our first dates. <laughs> long before we got sober. Long before the podcast, we went to see Yes at the Tilla Center. And uh, is it happening again? It's happening at the Paramount, and it's uh, John Anderson, who's the lead singer for yeah. our classic Yes. He's, the uh, one I like. he's touring with a group of kids from like the School of Rock or something, which should be uh, really, really interesting. I'm really looking forward. Yeah, the to videos it. are pretty, pretty cool. So now that's going to be cool. I'm he's, it's be nerd alert. He's uh, it's the 50th anniversary of the Close to the Edge album, so they're going to be playing uh, that in its entirety as well as other select. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. I'm going to have to listen. Make to Make sure it. you give that a lesson. Closer to the Edge. Listen, a listen. Yeah, and, Bill uh, Bruford was the drummer on that. Uh, King Crimson. Bill yes, Bruford, yes. Uh, anyway. No pun intended. And um, there was a pun in there. Yes, I said yes. Oh yes, yes. Talking yes. about the yes band. It's right, very okay. easy. Sorry. To so hey, uh, yeah. You no longer have to go to Huntington every Saturday morning, do you? Because Noah has graduated his initial foray oh, into acting class. Yeah. Right? So um, if you don't know out there, my, my oldest son Noah is a little different kind of kid. He's re- completely rejected sports of any kind. Uh, he's really into um, like video games and, you know, video editing. And um, now I've got him into D and D. And so in an attempt to get him in something he's interested in that still has a component of working with other kids, mm-hmm. having like a coach. Um, I thought, let's try acting. Uh, and we just happened to find this really cool little acting school um, in, a, in a neighboring town. And this was about seven or eight weeks ago he started it, and it was the best thing we ever, I think one of the best things that we've ever did uh, for him. And uh, he's really enjoying it. I got to, because I used to be in plays and musicals and things in college and high school. And so it's near and dear to my heart. So it's just really heartwarming to be able to, you know, work on like a scene, like lines with him and get him to memorize these things. Yeah. You know, kind of giving him some of the coaching that I got and then to watch him because on Saturday uh, they performed this, you know, it was just like a short scene. It was only like four pages of dialogue, but he memorized it. Wow. And they performed it uh, in front of, you know, other parents. It wasn't like a big show, but I was just so proud of him and it was such a cool moment. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I think he's really enjoying it. It's uh, imagine getting them to memorize stuff like that for school. It's just well, <laughs> that's the amazing thing. He, you know, the fact doing this acting school and and on another note, which I won't go too far into because we're getting long here. D and D, which is Dungeons and Dragons, I've gotten him into. It's involving a lot of reading on his part, and the acting it involves reading. Now he has been he's he is ADHD or ADD, and has a lot of trouble reading for school. But for the acting, once he's really focused on something he likes, mm-hmm. he's reading like crazy. I, I we went to the board game cafe to um, to work on this D and D stuff with one of the expert nerds there. <laughs> no, I didn't look at his phone for three hours. Yeah, that he was is sitting there with dice, intense. a pencil, and paper. Yeah, he was reading. He was like looking things up in the index, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "This is it." That's I think it. we hit the nail on the head right here. Yeah. And that's been really great. Yeah, the acting schools. He wants to do acting camp, and that's great, man. I'm I'm glad you 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 know finished wandering around in the wilderness with him and kind of got got some focus because that's it's tough with these kids. You yeah. never know. I'm, I'm working with Ben, and I can't really. I'm, I need so to unlock hard. his thing, and I, I'm. Trying I mean, to, he's yeah. got the cub, but you kept Ben in Cub Scouts or, yeah. or Boy Scouts. I don't know if that's really his thing, though. You yeah, know? I need him to. I, I want him to feel passion about something. Yeah. You know? 
Yes. Yeah. To me, that's important. I want to see passion and, and, you know, Noah is starting to find it. Uh, and uh, conversely, his little brother Max now is like sports kid. Well, that's great. And he's <laughs> he's very short. For both of my children are on the low end of, you know, how tall kids are supposed to be. And uh, so Max is very cute and very short, and he loves basketball. <laughs> and, uh, hey, why not? <laughs> and so he was doing baseball and soccer, and he's in the second grade, and he was saying how much, you know, he just wanted, he didn't want to do um, baseball anymore. He just wanted to focus on soccer and basketball. Point guard. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I said, Max, you know, that's great, and I'm so happy, you know, that you like basketball, but... I don't think, you know, the Knicks are, are going to be a place you're going to end up, but maybe the... Uh, don't crush his dreams. <laughs> I was like, maybe the uh, the team on the, you know, the JCC, YMCA team, you know, uh, you'd have a chance. But I think it's just, it's great that he's passionate about something that, um, you know, maybe he won't uh, be the greatest at, but that's not what matters. No, it's not what matters. Um, There's no such thing as bad art. No. There's no such thing as bad Sport. Bed sport. So anyway, things have been going well. We've missed you guys uh, a lot. You know, I haven't been taking notes like I used to, um, but I think we have gotten to the end. Yeah, I think we need to um, drift on over to our main topic. Right. Right. We should have like, uh, we should have music for the main topic. That's a good idea. How about you put it in right here? That's Grant's music. Oh, shit. Yeah, I got to repurpose the music, though. You want to do... Here's one for the main topic. Okay, main topic. (laughs) (laughs) I got to use that one, too. I don't know. It's Drinkers Like Me by Adrian Childs. This is a toilet flushing from before water conservation, right? That was clearly like a five-gallon flush. That was a big flush. Yeah. That's when you didn't have the streaks. Uh, My name's Adrian Childs, and I'm not an alcoholic. At least I don't think I am. That's pretty good. Right? So, um, yeah. So, great little uh, documentary, BBC documentary called Drinkers Like Me, right? And it's put out uh, by this guy, uh, Adrian Childs. Yeah. Who is Adrian Childs? I don't know. Uh, he's 54 years old, so he's my age. Ah. He looked older. Senior citizen. Frankly, don't you think? Yeah. Didn't he look older? He does. Definitely older than you. Well, it's the white hair. Well, it's the... you drink like as much as he does. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot. So he's a, maybe the friends from across the pond are familiar with him. I, I had never really heard of him before, but he's a TV uh, radio presenter. He works for BBC Radio 5 Live. Uh, he previously hosted something called The One Show and Daybreak with Christine Lampard. This is not relevant, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he also like he was um, he was like a football commentator, and by that I mean soccer, soccer because yeah. you know, um, and you know, so he he the whole documentary is about him, how much he drinks, yeah. and whether or not he should quit or cut cut down on drinking. Yeah, and I found out a very interesting fact about him. Yeah, that when he was a child, you know, we, you know how my theory is that. The drinking is uh, Traumas. trauma related. Yep. And I'm like, where's this guy's trauma? Well, his dad was a drinker. Yeah, okay. But, the, you know. Well, what's the trauma? Ready? Yep. Ready for the trauma? Um, he fell off his bike when he was a kid and had to be rushed to the hospital because <laughs> his penis was partially severed. What? <laughs> and he had to, he was 11 years old. Holy shit. And it was during the Arsenal Ipswich final in 1978. <laughs> and he fell off his bike. 
And uh, he said, I don't know how to put this delicately, but I partially severed my boy head and I had to have it sewn back on. Oh, God. Yes. Why? He didn't mention that in the, in no. the, in, in the movie, did he? Ugh. Lorena so. Bobbitt be praised. <laughs> well, this was self, a self-inflicted wound, oh, apparently. I, well, so... <laughs> anyway, so I, I found know, the trauma, I think. Well, that's some serious <laughs> trauma. I don't know if we can blame his drink. I think more, more likely is that England, amongst you know, like everywhere else, has a very heavy drinking culture, from what I know. Yes. From any time I watched one of these, and there's another great documentary like this, I can't remember the name of it, but I've seen, you know, shows, you know, produced by BBC, and uh, they always talk about how drinking is, like, very pervasive in, like, every aspect of their culture and how hard it is to get away from it. <laughs> Unlike America, where right nobody, here, no, nobody drinks here at all. Don't we have more Puritan, like, teetotalers from the days? Do you we? Know? I thought so. No, what, don't the Baptists not know. drink? My, my grandmother was a Baptist, and they didn't drink or dance. And Isn't there know. more of that in the Bible Belt? So so Adrian Childs lives in London, right? right. And, and I assume the drinking in a big city like London sort of mirrors the drinking in a big city like New York. So when I was a lawyer in New York for years, I mean, that's all anybody ever did. Like every night you'd go out to the pub or the bar or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And in fact, I went to a lot of English pubs in New York because I just liked yeah. the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because everybody in there drank a lot, but uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting documentary. You can find it on YouTube, uh, the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and Childs kind of explores his own drinking habits and ask the question why so many people don't consider themselves alcoholics despite uh, the fact that they, they rely on drinking or they drink regularly. Um, and, and he starts keeping track of how much he's drinking and realizes that his own intake is way over the, the, yeah. the limit. Um, and then he goes into his own history with alcohol. But the recommended alcohol limit in Great Britain is 14 units a week. Right. Now, what is a unit, one might ask? Mm. Um, so the rough equivalent to 14 units of alcohol is six pints of beer, seven shots, or a bottle and a half of wine a week. That's 14 units. 14. None so, of those things seem equivalent, but no. um, for example, like seven doubles is equivalent to six pints of beer, seven yeah. doubles of whiskey. Like, I, don't, I don't get that, but anyway. Seven doubles would be 14 drinks. 14 drinks, but only... 14 units. Right. So an ounce, because a pint, okay, I get it. A unit is 12 ounces of beer. Pints are 16 ounces of beer. Therefore, right? So anyway, Childs, in contrast, was putting away about 100 units, sometimes a a day, and definitely more than, or 16 units a day yeah and over a hundred a week yeah it was per right? week i think he was saying because he he was um yeah 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 and, and but he kept saying that he didn't feel like an alcoholic and this is why he was right start, i don't know what got him starting to think about this i think maybe i missed where he probably because he was hung over half half of his life and miserable yeah. and he started to think you know uh, and he said something like there's drinking and there's drinking his friends would say. So like right. there's an acceptable level of drinking too much and, and an over the line, they call it the dark side. Yes. And do you know when they were having that conversation, they were having it at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. when they were like four pints in on the day before they were going to see a soccer game. Well, look, it was a 10 o'clock uh, kickoff for their, for the, um, 
for their soccer game. Mm-hmm. So they, he was saying like, well, the soccer game, same thing with football. And in America, you have like a one o'clock Jets game or something. Yeah. You know, we would start drinking. You go to your friend's house, maybe lunchtime, 10, 11 o'clock. And, um, and it, you, it makes sense to you at the moment that you're going to start drinking because the game starts early and that's okay. And he starts to question that. Well, he should, he should question that because, you know, when you're four pints in at 10 o'clock in the morning and then you go to the game and you have more pints. Yeah. And then when you get home, you drink and then you go out after that. Yeah. And that, and you know, I'm, I'm just like exhausted I watching this guy's like yeah. de- day and he's, and he claims that he never gets drunk. And I'm like, that's impossible. It's impossible. Or yeah. you're, you're, you're so much of an alcohol, <laughs> alcoholic. Well, okay. Here's my my big disconnect with this whole documentary and the whole way I think that his even the question he's posing is ridiculous. Yeah, is he seems really hung up on the def, uh, on on what he thinks the definition of the word alcoholic is. Right. As as somebody with the paper bag in the gutter. Right. There's drinking and there's drinking and yeah. I'm not one. I don't go. And the other one was like, what did she say? She doesn't go out and she's not a vomiter or vomber or something. There's some English word right. for throwing up all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, and that seems to be where they draw the line. Yeah. But meanwhile, you know, he goes to the doctor and gets a full workup to see how much the alcohol has been affecting him, this amazing amount of alcohol that he drinks. And his blood work is entirely normal. Right. So he thinks, great, there's nothing I'm wrong fine. with me. But then he's like, you know what? Maybe I need to go and see the condition of my liver because the doctor tells him that blood tests often don't show anything and you could right. still have scarring. You could still have cirrhosis. Yeah. Cirrhosis of the liver. I dubbed the cirrhosis. <laughs> cirrhosis. <of the> <laughs> um, so he goes and he gets a scan. Right. And the scan shows significant scarring yeah. on the liver. And he's clearly doing damage to himself. Right. right. So... So whether or not, and the doctor tells him this really salient figure, he says, you know, 30% of the people that show up with liver failure in the liver ward uh, do not meet the definite textbook definition of what an alcoholic is. Right. And, and, he, and another good point the doctor makes is he's seen people quit drinking later on in life and that you can always, it's never too late or something. I think right. like you can always stop drinking and improve your health. The liver grows back. It's right. a resilient organ. It's, yeah. Thank God. Thank God for that. Um, and so that's a great point. But yeah, you see during this documentary, him trying to find out, should I stop drinking or <laughs> should I keep drinking? And like, he was asking that one gentleman who had 30 years mm. and he's like, kind of like, do you think I should stop drinking? And the guy actually has a surprising answer. Yeah, I thought that was kind of bullshit. Yeah, um, it was. Because he, it seems like he went out and he found a lot of people who told him that he should, he didn't need to stop drinking. He's not yeah, really an alcoholic. I like, believe that. And I'm like, this is coming out of the people in the smart recovery meeting are all like, nah, you know. And then <laughs> his friend who's been sober 30 years is going, have a pint. I have a you pint, know, you right? want a pint, you know. <laughs> you and I'm like, who, where did he tell. find these fucking people? Like 30 years sober and he's telling the guy to go out drinking and he knows that he drinks like a fish every night. Yeah, like I get it that, that the attitude of the people who he was talking to is they weren't trying to be like proselytizing. They weren't trying to be telling people yeah, what they right, should and shouldn't right. do. But to a fault. Just like we were talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah. You can't tell people. You got to show him, right? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make him not drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he found all of <laughs> these people who 
were basically not trying to offend him or were too, uh, they didn't want to say, yes, stop drinking, because I think they know that that won't do anything for him or they think that. So they're trying to harm reductionize him. You know? Yeah, I get, right. I guess so. Um, They just want him to start to reduce because maybe they've already decided, rightly or wrongly, that this guy isn't going to stop drinking. So maybe if we can start to. But that's silly, right? I mean, because he can always stop drinking. Right. But the thing that really kind of fucked me up, like it was listening to his friend of 30 years, like tell him, yeah, my social life basically never recovered. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what the dude, what are you doing? You know, do you want to help your friend? And then he said he envied him. He envied him. I envy your ability to drink (laughs) and have fun, mate. And, uh, I think that's the wrong. It's the wrong British accent. Yeah, well, I was going. That was like Southern London, or oh, the no- maybe okay. the North. I mean, you know, I'm sure our British listeners will uh, correct yeah, us, guys. Uh, yeah, keep us up to date on the North and the South of London. But I mean, that that was like uh, yeah. that really was sort of disappointing. And one thing they did let it slip out was the Mister Thirty Year Sober um, quit on his own. Yeah, you know, from a fairly serious, you know, alcoholist. That guy was definitely an alcoholic. He was. He had the DTs. He I saw the spiders said, on the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. I thought he was saying he didn't see. No, he was saying he did, and that's why he had to stop. So his thing was like, if you're not seeing spiders on the ceiling, have a pint. Yeah, have a pint, mate. <laughs> um, but Charles is like, yeah. uh, he just the idea of not drinking, like he can't even get his head around it. So he goes out yeah. and he interviews a whole bunch of people who are drinking. Like he has another friend who. Um, is an alcoholic and stopped drinking, but his daughter was a, what did he call her? Like a, she's like a nasty binge drinker or something about his daughter. I forget the word he used, but the British have a great word for that. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so they interviewed her and she was all like, she had a lot, she had some trauma. She had like breast cancer and, Mm. and the stuff. And that's why she said she drank and, um, you know, and you know, then they, they went and visited his friend who was clearly an alcoholic. I mean, Right. How I, dare I, you? I've railed against yeah. the use of that term a lot. Right, and and I and I don't believe and I believe that the use of that term in this documentary is a barrier for Mister Childs to really sort of get a handle on whether or not he has a drinking problem. But you see how important words are. You're always telling me words don't matter. You know these definitions, the way we say. No, I, I've said that. Didn't we get in this? debate about like i wanted to say recovered or oh recovered, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like wow well, what's the difference i mean i'm not making a blanket statement about the value of words i mean i'm a i'm a lawyer i mean I'm a, i was about I, to say I, it's know, my stock and trade or words it, but i think it helps us to use a word like alcoholic which is why we keep going to it not just because they use it a lot but because it identifies what we would call someone with a problem stopping drinking no, but I, I disagree. I don't think you should use the word alcoholic because I think the word alcoholic is what's causing all the problems here. I think interesting. I think I think if you I think if if they had used the term do you have an if he had explored whether he had an alcohol use disorder, mm. which is that came up briefly when he was talking to the doctor who said we don't like to use that word anymore because it's not descriptive enough. And he, and then that was it. And then it was just, I'm not an alcoholic because I'm not like this, you know, and that whole comparison thing, um, I think was, was something that got in the way of him really, I mean, because listen, if you're drinking 16 units of of alcohol a night, you have an alcohol problem. I don't know if you're an 
alcoholic, whatever the fuck that means, but you have an alcohol problem. You have a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol. How right. about that? But you've got to prove to them what's dysfunctional about it. If you can't prove to them that it's really destroying their liver and they'll die young. Maybe they don't care. Right. Yeah. They don't care about that. And maybe they keep their job. They're have a happy ish, you know, their life is fine. But so that's why the thing. Quit? He's miserable. He's on medication for depression. Right. He's on medication for anxiety. He's starting to go to a therapist. He's like, maybe it's the alcohol. Right. And, and the therapist, by the way, was, was great. Yeah. I thought he, he looked a little strange, but he, <laughs> he, he had some real wise things to say about, you know, maybe the issue is not yes. the drinking. Maybe the issue is that you are not happy with yourself. Yes. You know? I love that. And when he said that, I, it really, you know, and it's the way I, I think when I, when I was listening to him say those things, he was saying, you know, you have to look at the reason you're drinking. And this mm-hmm. is something we talk about and we've studied and, and it's a real eye opener. When you look at what is it that you're trying to, like it's a handrail, I think he said. Yes. You're using it like, what is it about drinking that allows you to socialize? And, and what are you afraid of by not drinking? And, um, you know, and that is the question I think it's important to ask ourselves. You know, if you find that you think, if I stop drinking, how am I going to go out with my friends? Then you have to say, wow, 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 wow. Why do I need a drink to enjoy time with friends? Well, and, and he, he brings that up a couple of times. He, he said that's what, that was one of his biggest questions is why can I not stand out and look up at the beautiful day and a sunset and not experience it with as much joy as I can if I've had a couple of pints? Right. So what, what is it about you that you don't like? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you're uncomfortable with? And, you know, the, the point of most a lot of therapy is to learn how to love yourself because until you can do that and this is what my therapist would tell me Mm -hmm. we have to get nat to love nat and i used to laugh at them and then i would cry and then i would fall (laughs) off the chair sobbing you know and then they'd say your hour is up and um, and that was that (laughs) and i go hundred dollars please (laughs) right but uh you know it, it occurred to me once i finally realized that in fact i did love myself you know the healing could begin and then i didn't need that drink to, you know, get this person myself who I hated just through the day. You know, I started doing better things for myself. I started wanting to do the right thing because I knew it felt good. And and I didn't, and less and less, I was going to that drink or going to the drug. So <clears throat> what do you have to say to this? Adrian Childs doesn't want to stop drinking. He's perfectly happy yeah. cutting down. He goes to something called the club soda uh party or club soda group or something, uh, soda water. I don't know. That, and, um, you know, gets all these, um, free, like non-alcoholic beers and stuff. And he decides that he's, what he needs to do is not to quit drinking. What he needs to do is, is, mo- is moderation. Yeah, and he needs to cut down. And, you know, the, there's very, <laughs> the documentary gave kind of short shrift to the success or failure of him in that area. Like, you know, towards the end, like he appears to have cut down, right? you know, but we don't really know, right? I mean, he's very sort of loosey-goosey on what cutting down even means. I mean, maybe cutting down for Adrian Childs would be like full-on alcohol abuse to me. I mean, yeah. I don't know. If you're, if you're drinking 16 uh, units a day and you go down to like six, 
Is that... Yeah, I mean, and it depends on when and why you're drinking. That's what's more important is maybe why and, like, when. Like, if you're moderately drinking at 8 a.m., two drinks before work, like, is that different than, Mm. you know, you come home and have two drinks? Well, he seems to think so because for him... Because, I mean... Ra- there's rationalization and denial all over this documentary. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, the artificial lines that are drawn to determine what is alcoholism and what isn't are just so specious. I mean, it, for him, it's like, yes, drinking in the morning is clearly a sign of alcoholism. Uh, so, I just called it breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Thank you're, you. you're welcome. You're always- I've been stingy with those lately. Yes, I know. There, well, there haven't been too many good jokes. I, I'm sorry. I what to tell you. But, yeah. Like, uh, uh, what are these definitions? I mean, know? that was one of them. And then, you know, in, I guess interference with your, your work or whatever. Cause like he says, like, you know, I drink, you know, Fridays and Saturdays and, you know, and then I, Wednesday, why not? You know, like he couldn't, you know, cause that's like his hobby is drinking. Right. And then, but he's like Thursday, I'm on the air. So I don't drink on Thursdays. So like, he can so do it. He can do it. But I'm, I bet you he's an irritable son of a bitch on Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I know I would have been. Well, it, and it's, it's really hard, too, because he's probably looking at, I have 76 units a week or something. He goes, and maybe he looks at his friends who seem to have their lives together. And I did this, too, when I was thinking about quitting. And you say, see, they can enjoy one or two drinks, but mm-hmm. who knows what they were really drinking. But right. And I would say that to myself, and then my goal then would be to get to where they were, and if I could just do that. But I never could. I could never get down to um, moderate drinking. But what is moderate drinking? You know, talking <laughs> about this just made me think back. Uh, I went back in time into my mind to when I thought I was drinking Moderately, and, and maybe I'll, I'll spin this scenario at you and you can tell me. Spin it. Spin it. So, uh, I don't know how long ago this was. Maybe 10 years, because I've been going back to college for a long time. And I uh, and I got to a point where I had been sober like a couple of months, just white-knuckling it. And then I had slowly, you know, started to pick up these, um, I think it was uh, some kind of seltzery type of drink. And it got to a point where as I was driving to the class I was going to, yes. I would pick up, I think it was a 12-pack, and I would basically you know, down about six of them before class, and then <laughs> six on the way home. And, that's, and then I would say to myself, that's all I had for the day. Mm. And I would do it each time. Um, but you know, on off days, I would have to do it too. But I didn't get particularly wrecked. And I thought, you know, ultimately, I got back into the, the bad stuff, but... You know, doing that, I mean, I'm sure, certainly was doing damage, but it felt like I was managing my life on that amount of alcohol. But I would say that that's pretty bad because, for one, I was driving. And, and two, it's that's just a lot of alcohol to drink for al- pretty much no reason, just to assuage some of my anxiety, probably. Yeah, I don't think there's anything moderate about that. Would you call me an alcoholic? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't. I would say you have an alcohol use disorder. I see. So, like all right. Adrian Childs has so, an alcohol use all disorder. All right. So, you just prefer alcohol use disorder because it's more clinical? Because it's broader. Because when you think that the term alcoholic is a very, it's one end of that spectrum. Right. It's the most severe end of the spectrum. And because a guy like Adrian Childs can put out a documentary in England. And all of a sudden, every everybody who probably could benefit from 
stopping drinking is thinking, you know, I, I don't really need to stop drinking. Right. I, I, I'm not an alcoholic. Adrian Childs drinks 100 units of booze a, a week, and he's not an alcoholic. Right. So I only drink 85. So I'm like, I'm practically, you know, a health and fitness freak. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, so I don't know where to go with this. And maybe that's where we should, well, like, what do we do with it? What well, does he do next? Let me. Th- uh, what does he do next? Yeah. Do you want to know what he did? I want to know. I'm going to tell you. Tell me now. He wrote a book. What? It's coming out in the uh, end of this month. He wrote it with alcohol use disorder? His book is called... <laughs> Adrian Childs' book is yeah. called The Good Drinker, How I Learned to Love Drinking Less by broadcaster and columnist uh, Adrian Childs. Yeah. So now he's taking this uh, message of moderation to the masses. Um, yeah. The blurb from his publisher says, and okay, so just digest this for a minute. Adrian's book is an eye-opener. It's for all of us, about 20% of the population who drink more than we should, but don't think we have a problem. More than we should. We wake up in our own beds. We don't get into fights. <laughs> Check. Right? But drink is all too much of a constant in our social lives. Adrian loves drinking and doesn't want to stop. Most of, most of us feel like that. And his book will help set many of us on the path to some kind of moderation. Uh, some yeah. kind. Not even like a... Right? Yeah. Um, Casting a wide net. Yes. Uh, and it's pure childs, full of good sense, companionable, and never remotely preachy. It's a book people will keep reading for many years as they attempt to moderate. As they attempt to moderate their drinking problems. Uh, it was inspired by his documentary "Drinkers Like Me." Um, in his book, he sets out around Britain to discover the pleasures of drinking in moderation. Now, what is that? He's just going around drinking in moderation in various places and discovering how, how interesting that yeah, is. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, it's a bad message. The, the publisher wrote, there's an awful lot of advice out there on how to quit booze completely. If you just want to drink a bit less, the pickings are slim. I mean, is there a reason, is there a reason for that, maybe? Yet, while the alcohol uh, industry depends on a minority of problem drinkers, the majority really do drink well below the recommended weekly alcohol limit. Oh, yeah. Childs commented, mm. this book uh, definitely isn't some covert guide to knocking drinking on the head completely. No way. Neither is it a classic self-help book. It might amount to the same thing, but it's really just a distillation, mm-hmm. you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> of the many things I've learned about drinking since I made a TV documentary on the subject. And what I've learned, you'll be shocked to read, is that it's complicated. Yes. Yes, we're all very I mean, I guess shocked. you could complicate it, but it's, it's really not that complicated. Well, Adrian, we are all shocked and amused. We by, wish, uh, we, I wish him well, really. I mean, he yeah. seems like a really funny guy. You know, yeah, nice, a, a, a nice Falstaff character to follow around <laughs> and watch fall down. Anyway, you can get the uh, you can get the documentary on YouTube. It's free. It's about an hour, so it won't overly tax your life. Yeah, uh, some of the dialect is difficult to understand. So use subtitles <laughs> if you're American. If you're not from, <laughs> if you're from, <laughs> if you're, we we we. You know, we make fun of Americans, uh, or people make fun of Americans because we don't speak, uh, we're not bilingual, we don't speak two languages, and I would argue that many of us don't even speak one. That's right, that's right. Uh, certainly <laughs> don't speak not it very well. Um, mastered one. So, uh, yeah, and the book, when the book comes out, I'm going to buy it, because I want to read it, and I want to see where this is going, you know? Well, I'm going to be devil's advocate before we move on and say, you know what, maybe this is exactly what the world needs, 
It might be. Maybe this is that soft entrance into a world of completely stopping drinking. Maybe this will get people to start at least looking at the health uh, hazards of drinking. And maybe this will actually get more people than would have initially actually stop and, and live a healthy, happy life that was what we all want. That would be great. But um, So maybe he's doing I, a great thing. Maybe. Um, I, I, I mean, I want to like the guy. And, and honestly, by the end of the documentary and after doing some research, I, I really was starting to think to myself... Shit, maybe I can't. Maybe that's maybe possible you for can. me. Like maybe so I that's and danger. and that's what's fucked up about this, right? Because I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible for for Adrian Childs to 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 moderate for any significant length of time. Let me ask one last question: How is this the same or different from drug use for grownups by I, that guy? I don't know it. that it's all that different. I, I don't, mean, I don't think Doctor. I think Doctor Carl Hart. Hart and Adrian Childs could sit by the fire doing heroin together or, you know, Childs yeah. could throw back a couple pints. And I think it's a similar... Dr. Um, Hart could do a little chipping when he's yeah, sitting there. I think, it's, I think it's similar. It's this idea that you can responsibly, you know, use a dangerous, harmful drug. I don't care if Adrian Childs wants to keep drinking. I don't. What I, what I care about is Adrian Childs is writing a book telling all people all these other people that this is like, I know I mean, love drinking. at the beginning of the show, we listen to ourselves, to the monsters, to probably just about anybody else who's ever had an alcohol problem, who's tried to moderate and has found it to be an impossibility. And yet this guy is now writing a book to teach other people how to irresponsibly attempt moderation. That's but, my feeling about it. Yeah, it may be irresponsible, but uh, there may be some good. But the, the thing I worry about is just like what you said, you listen to this or you watch this documentary and you begin to question whether or not maybe you could have such a great time like they're having. And maybe you're missing out on this amazing social life. Listen, that, I would uh, like to go down to the pub and have a pint and hang out and do all that kind of thing, you know, and... Would you really though? Would it really be that? No, great? because then when I because then I played it along and right. I remembered how I felt the next morning how and how really Adrian Childs probably feels every fucking morning of his life when he wakes up with a hangover. I remember which he didn't even discuss. No, like you don't drink sixteen drinks a night and wake up feeling fresh no, as a fucking it's daisy. A constant. And let me just for the listeners, if you don't know this from personal experience, drinking like that, which I did for a long time, it's a constant state of feeling ill. Yes. And when you drink, you don't feel better. You just feel a little different. Yeah. A little, it's a little more manageable feeling. But really, all of the time, you are not yourself. You're not your best self. And your life will reflect it. And I know countless examples in my life, people who still continue to drink, even though they don't want to and know it's bad. And for the best to just, guys, let's completely... Knock out the drinking out there. Put the plug in the jug already. All it is is you're taking liquid and you're pouring it in down your throat. I mean, is it so hard to stop doing that? Well, it was, wasn't it? It was. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Whoa, what's next? Um, recovery in the news. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Uh, I've waited a long time yes. to do that. It's been building up, yes. right? <sighs> okay. <laughs> Today's story, monoclonal antibody treating COVID. My, <laughs> monoclonal antibody treating COVID 
may help addiction. That is a mouthful. It is, and there should be a comma there, but there is not. Isn't that what the hell was that? I was thinking of um, Sergeant Pettifor. Isn't that a musical? That one's went right over. You could do that with monoclonal antibody treating COVID may help addiction. Let's just cut this out. Anywho. We uh, <laughs> edit that horrible thing. Go on. Anyway, this story was kind of all over the news, but the um, place I chose to pull the story from for the show was the khqa.com features website for some reason. Um, okay, so for, for nearly two decades, Nat, did you know that for two decades, researchers have been laying the groundwork to find out why certain medications commonly used to treat addiction work with some drugs but not others? For exa- That's oh, a very yeah. poorly written yeah, that sentence. Was a, that was a mouthful. What that means is, I think what they're saying is that some medications that they use to treat addiction will work with like heroin yeah. or alcohol, but maybe not with cocaine. Right, like right? Viv- Vivitrol is like that. Right. Now, a team of scientists says that it may be because drugs such as cocaine work differently than we thought in the brain. No way. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. It was the party drug of the decade when Aaron Lane got hooked on it, and even his newer drugs appeared to replace the demand for cocaine. And then there's a period. Like, who fucking wrote this? <laughs> Therapies to fight everything from heroin to opioids didn't seem to work to help those drugs that Lane was addicted to. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, okay, so he tried a lot of drugs, and he was a cocaine addict, this right. guy Lane. Got it. And the drugs that he used to treat his cocaine addiction didn't work. So They have drugs to treat cocaine addiction? I guess so. Okay. So anyway, um, Dr. Andrew Norman, a UC health researcher... Uh, is looking to create an, or get FDA approval for his treatment for cocaine addiction. Uh, they're looking to start human trials. Human trials. Those are my favorites. For, for an approach to treat cocaine addiction using monoclonal antibodies, which are specific antibodies used therapeutically these days for various things, including for treating COVID-19. Hmm. You see... In early lab studies, yes. his team has shown that cocaine is addictive not because it reinforces the traditional pleasure centers in the brain, mm. such as what? Such as alcohol? No, the, such as, the... Such as knocking on the table? No, no, no. The, the <laughs> Dopamine. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but rather because it impacts a part of the brain linked to repetitive behavior. Mm. I found that to be very interesting. Um, yeah, sure. So when you start with cocaine, uh, the drug takes over the repetitive behavior part of the brain and it creates like a feedback loop where you're just doing the cocaine. It's like the Ouroboros. It's like the Ouroboros. Mm. It is like the Ouroboros. But I I think it's actually probably a little bit of both, right? Because you wouldn't just keep doing it because it's a repetitive habit. Like I pick my nose, but I'm, you know. It's not, I'm not going to sell, sell gonna my house for do it. Do it till you die. Right. Like right. the rat in Rat Park. So anyway, the the monoclonal antibody created by Norman's team binds to the cocaine and switches off the on-ramp and prevents the coke from entering the brain. So in that respect, I guess mm. it works kind of like, um, you know, what do you call it? For, uh, for alcohol. Yes. What's the drug for alcohol? Vivitrol. Vivitrol. Well, that's also what's, for opioids. What's the other drug? Anabuse. Campril. What, no, what's the one that uh, the Sinclair method? 
that's uh, naltrexone. Naltrexone, which is which Vivitrol. is Vivitrol, right? right. Okay, yeah, I yeah. know too many drugs. Um, so the behavior gets stopped. It, they so, like break the chain of behavior ah. with the monoclonal antibodies, and uh, it could be a real game changer. It's it's. Too soon to know if it would work with drugs other than cocaine, but as soon as the FDA gives the okay, he's going to begin the human trials, and we'll see what happens. Interesting. Um, that reminds me of, of that study they always talk about where the rat, you know, keeps hitting the, hitting the lever to get more cocaine, mm-hmm. and um, eventually he gives up going to his water bowl, he gives up going to his right. food, and he just hits the thing until he, like, essentially dies. Mm-hmm. And I'm that familiar. sounds like that yeah, rat park. <laughs> yeah. But um, it sounds like that same kind of behavior they're talking about is that feedback loop of, you know, and I felt that way myself. Yeah, I me kept too. doing the same thing. Kept hitting over, the lever. You know, yeah, bing, bing, yep. bing, 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 yep. until, you know. But you, you weren't living... But see, that, that's the thing that I don't really get, like... I don't know. I mean, that's a discussion for another day. It's like the whole thing with Rat Park, right, is if you give the rat human connection and other exciting things to do, it'll stop pressing the lever for cocaine. I don't really think that that's true. And I'd like to see that study replicated because for me, I mean, the the feedback loop with the coke, it was was really, you could have put anything around me. It wouldn't have mattered. I could have had the most interesting thing in the world around me and I'd still keep hitting the lever. Yeah, that's true. I guess. um, I mean, I'm not a rat. I guess. No, but, no, but um, interestingly, that Vivitrol, I mean, and this happens all the time in, in drug studies. Like, uh, for example, the, the drug Propecia used to keep my hair nice and thick. Uh-huh. Was it initially, it was developed or indicated for, as pr- it was called Proscar, which is for prostate something. Hmm. And then what they found is they would give this drug to people for, um, for their prostate and their hair would grow back. <laughs> And so then they had the FDA approve it for this alternative thing, but it also happened with Vivitrol, which was mm. initially developed to curb your um, your cravings for alcohol. And then they discovered later that not only does it do that, but it stops uh, it stops your opioid receptors from binding with heroin. Hmm. So that's now it's like they use it for both basically, but it's far less used for for alcohol. I initially took it for heroin. And then later got back on it for my alcohol cravings. Right. But, you know, these drugs, you know, so maybe it, it does um, sort of crystallize that fact that addiction to all things is all part of the same function of the brain or the dysfunction of the brain. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about the, the, the wisdom of treating these things like individually, target them, targeting them individually. But, I mean, I think there's biological components and there's psychological components and you have to address both of them at the same time or you're not going not gonna to achieve the, uh, the goal that you're yeah, looking I mean, for. There's so many different people. There's so many different uh, modalities. Um, and, um, you know, we, we need professionals and we need people who are educated on all of the differences and the wide spectrum of needs. But I still want to find... Where is the focus point where we can, you know, we can co- go out from and we can bring people to? I don't know. It's somewhere where parallel lines meet in the distance. Somewhere. We're having, uh, just, just a plug of upcoming episode, we have a, a, someone who reached out to us, a kind of connection through Grant, who is a, a vocal proponent of the Sinclair Method. And oh, yes. We, we, we covered the Sinclair Method Way back in the hazy mists of time, when we reviewed um, the one little pill documentary, yeah, with um, Claudia um, Babylon Five, yes, yeah, um, 
But I, I think it's time that we we revisit that and, and actually have a guest on who can who can speak to it. And and this woman uh, reached out to us, and and I think uh, I think that's going to be an interesting episode. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up in the next few weeks, along with possibly a return of uh, Dave from Dopey. Yeah. So um, I've been working closely with the uh, with the Dopey podcast and Dave, and um, you know over the over the last um, maybe year. And uh, Dave was on once, and I'm a big fan of the show. I think a lot of you out there are fans of the show, and. Um, Dave has agreed to actually come to Castle Grayskull. He's actually going to come excited. to my house and sit in my basement. He initially said he would. We don't have to. Do but I have to? Should I make him tacos as well? I think I would. That would be <laughs> awesome. I think it would be the coolest thing. To I get, can't serve uh, him like brisket or anything though. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he's a, he's an aficionado, but yeah. um, uh, he would be psyched to uh, to do it. And on top of that. There is DopeyCon 3 coming up in New York City, October oh, yeah. 1st. I'm not sure exactly where yet. I think they've picked out the theater, but I'm planning to be at DopeyCon 3. Um, I'm looking forward. I know some of you out there will be there. I don't know if I'll have an official table. I haven't even talked to Dave about doing that, but um, I think it would be cool if we did a, a monster meetup maybe at DopeyCon in New York City. So uh, let me know, guys, if you're planning on going, and, and we can find a place to uh yeah. yeah. We'll I meet in the men's bathroom <laughs> at eight thirty. <laughs> Third stall from the left. Okay. Uh so we're done with recovery in the news? I guess you are, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, mean, I think we're both done with it, right? Yeah. Did you want to have anything else to say on monoclonal anybody's? No, but I was really trying to figure out how to fit monoclonal mono monoclonal antibodies into that song from the HMS Pinafore musical that I tried to All do right. at the beginning. Listen. And it's not happening. No. It's just not happening. If you come up with it during the week, I'll splice it in. Damn it. All right. right, What's next? Week in Weird. Colombian influencer claims to speak alien language (laughs) by Ryan Stacy. Who the hell is Ryan Stacy? He's a newcomer. Is Tim Manal okay? Tim Manal's on vacation. Is he? I don't know. Was he taken up in, in the spacecraft? He went to re, he's at rehab, and when he comes back, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tim is not. So, by Ryan Stacy, learning a new language is a great way to promote understanding and enhance your knowledge of the world, or even a distant galaxy. On a recent TV uh, appearance, Maeve Walker <laughs> could be Mafe. <laughs> I can't even. Mafe Walker, an internet influencer and spiritual guide living in Mexico, reportedly claimed to have mastered the lingo of an extraterrestrial species, a feat that apparently goes much deeper than studying their vocabulary and grammar. At her appearance on a recent broadcast of Vengala Alegria that has (laughs) since gone viral, a catchy name, uh, Walker revealed that for her, she acts as a communication bridge with the otherworldly via maximum frequency waves that originate in her stellar galactic DNA and transmit through vibrational crystals. Oh. Uh, the live demonstration she provided for the show's hosts, a stream of startling, strange-sounding syllables, has generated some controversy online. Were you playing it? I found um, a video of Mafei Walker <laughs> um, have to post pretending that. to speak in an alien language. Oh, my gosh. We, we gotta, uh, with some viewers expressing their skepticism, <laughs> of Walker's incredible claims, but she maintains that her linguistic talent is genuine testament to her natural abilities as an interdimensional medium. <laughs> of course. If you're an interdimensional medium, how can you do anything but speak in alien tongues? I'm more of a large myself. Is she Pentecostal, I wonder? <laughs> is that where this... Yeah. I'm sorry there was no Bigfoot or Tim Benal in this uh, weekend. Yeah, what, that's kind of... yeah. What? 
Colombian influencer claims to speak alien language. I mean, that's a great headline. It is. Yeah. Writes itself, I guess. Weekend weird. Uh, well, it about does it for today. And um, I just wanted to thank everybody out there for sticking with us um, during this recent uh, time off. Thank you. And uh, everybody stuck with us on Patreon and we're so grateful. We even added a couple. Out there. Yeah, we added a couple. You know, if you're not on Patreon, we we're still doing stuff on there and um, I'm hoping that we've gotten our schedules to a point where we can really give this show the love and the uh, attention that it really needs and that we want to give it. So thank you guys so much. Uh, and that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Yes. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Not yet. Not yet. It's Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review. Join our private Facebook group, buy a t-shirt, or simply write and say hello. Mm. We love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. Join the Inner Sanctum as we've been... Um, Pushing ad nauseum today at patreon.com, recovering the middle ages for a higher level of support, free merch, bonus video episodes, a level of higher support, uh, chat with all of the monsters on there. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our little show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. <laughs> oh, that's. Profits, not perfection. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Stay fresh, cheese bags. Be good. <laughs> Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs> Bye. Bye.